Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey, everyone. This is Jim Galliano. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. I hope everyone had a great Christmas over this past weekend. And here we are in the final week of 2022. And this is the last episode of 2022. Maybe I'll call it that, the last episode of 2022. Now, personally, I'm thankful for all of the good things that came my way this past year. I couldn't complain about anything business-wise if I wanted to. However, I will say this. This is just my perspective. If we're looking at things from maybe the perspective of standing on a world stage, a general world stage. In some ways, how can I put this? If years had a flavor like food, I would say that 2020, 2021, and 2022, the first three years of a new decade, were all similar tasting. And of course, COVID had something to do with that, but there's a lot of other things in the mix also. I'm not complaining, I'm just making an observation. So I guess I'm just hoping that 2023 overall has a better flavor than the previous three years. And likewise, I think the same can be said for the taste of things like business and marketing, for example. Eventually, whatever we do, starts to feel like the same old, same old after doing it for a while. Now, before we go any further, I'd just like to say that today's episode, the last of 2022, is brought to you by the Digital Strategist Newsletter. This is my monthly newsletter. It's available at jimsnewsletter.com and onetomanysystem.com. And this is the home of my newly launched coaching program, The program is designed so we can build out a complete system for your business together. And this includes a conversion-focused website with your built-in lead generation system. Now, I know a lot of people out there are still looking for that combination of business plan and marketing strategy that allows you to grow and scale a business, but without needing a team of people or full-time employees to manage all of the moving parts. If that's what you're looking for, this coaching program will help you build that. So go ahead and check that out at onetomanysystem.com and start building a better future for yourself in 2023. Okay, back to what I was saying. Commercial over. In this life, change isn't only good. I think it's necessary if you want whatever you're doing or building to remain relevant and to stand the test of time. I know in my own business, I've experienced quite a few changes over the years. And in the past, there have been years where I focused on specific types of marketing almost exclusively. I focused on specific topics and specific solutions. For example, some years I focused really heavily on email marketing. Other years I focused and talked a lot about SEO or blogging and so on. But eventually I realized that all of these things were really just tools and tactics, applications, if you will, sometimes. And oftentimes, we don't have the structure. People lack the structure that comes with having a solid, overarching strategy that takes all of these loose ends and ties them together and brings them together in one cohesive piece. We just have these various pieces that we spend time engaged in and doing, and we hope that that leads us 
towards a desired destination. And don't get me wrong, it's better doing that than to do nothing. But as time progresses, we learn that there's better ways of doing things. There's better strategies than just, you know, just being active and hoping that something that we do causes a breakthrough. Because we hear, depending on what camp that you're listening to, that this is the thing that you should be doing right now. Or you hear someone tell a story about how starting something, let's say a newsletter, transformed their life or their business, or how somebody focusing on creating videos transformed their business. And so what happens is we jump from thing to thing to thing. And so, you know, we see the pieces, we see a podcast, we see a video, we see email, but the pieces don't fit together for us the way, let's say, the gears of a watch or the gears of a clock might fit together. And really, isn't that what we're supposed to be building? Shouldn't we have a smooth running machine? I mean, when we go out into the world, if you're a single owner, a single person business owner, when you go out into the world, don't you see these mechanical systems set up in every store and every shop that enables that business to run smoothly? And then when you come home, you look at what you're doing and do you see any similarities or are there no similarities at all? Now, obviously, if you're working from home, you're working from a laptop or you're mobile, however you're doing it, of course, it's going to be different than if you had a brick and mortar location. However, what is not going to be different is your ability to get the job done and get it done well, to get it done consistently. I remember one of the things they used to talk about McDonald's as a perfect example of this was that whether you went to a McDonald's in Idaho or a McDonald's in New York City or LA, whether you went to one in India or London or Sydney, the quality of the food and the productivity of the system that was set up in that individual store worked like a machine. And that was the draw about having a franchise was that you could take anyone and bring them into the system and you could have the same standard quality product come out time and time and time again. Now, you could argue that McDonald's doesn't produce and other businesses like it in fast food, for example, that they don't have the highest quality or the highest standards as far as the product itself goes. But still, their yearly receipts show that you can make a lot of money without having the highest quality product on the market. As long as it meets a certain standard and does it consistently, there are people, and quite a few of them, that would rather maybe invest in something like that for their lunch than a high-quality restaurant. Or even, I mean, it does meet a need, doesn't it? Not to just get lost in the topic of fast food, but again, we see principles at work here, and then we look at what we're doing. And sometimes you just have to ask yourself the question, the minds that went into putting a system like that together, what would happen if they came and they sat across from you at your table and looked at what you were doing and looked at the strategy that you were employing? I know for myself, for most of my life, if I had those kind of people sitting across the table from me, matter of fact, I graduated high school with a person and a friend of mine, and we shared a locker together. The reason why we shared a locker together was because for whatever reason, mine wasn't working properly, and I just asked him if I could um, use his locker for a week or two, and a week or two turned into the rest of the school year. 
he didn't mind it. Thankfully, I didn't mind it. But I, when I caught back up with him on Facebook many years later, then I learned that he was doing this thing that I'm telling you about right now. He worked for a company, and what they would do is they would go in to a business and they would create strategies and systems to increase productivity, increase profits, and do all of those things. I was tempted to ask him, what would you do if you came into my business and saw the way I was operating it, just to get an outside perspective, but I never did that. The point is this. Sometimes we're so close to what we're doing and we have so many excuses why things aren't running the way we know they could be running. And I mean, that's fine. Maybe there's some legitimacy to your excuses or my excuses. But at the end of the day, we still have this open-ended challenge in front of us. Can things be made better? Are we doing things the best way possible? And I think that if we're honest with ourselves, with no one sitting across the table from us, we'd have to admit that absolutely things could be running better. And sometimes what you have to do is you have to leave your industry and see how things are operated in another industry and then come back to yours and start employing those things there. And that's how real change happens. You don't hear this so much, people talking about it, but what happens is within any industry, everybody basically follows the leaders or they follow the common or traditional way of doing things. It's just easier than looking at something and then trying to reinvent it from the ground up. It makes sense. If it's not broken, why not fix it? But sometimes it is broken. We're just not admitting that it's broken. And so we see things like podcasts, people creating videos, other people emailing, and then we look at what we're doing and we commit. We should be doing all of those things, but it's impossible to do all of those things because you're just one person or you can't afford to pay someone to do all of those things or help you do all of those things. And so you have to be very choosy about what it is that you're going to invest in because you have limited resources. Of course, that applies to everyone. There's no one single company. I know it may appear that there is, but every even the largest company in the world, the largest companies, they do have a limit. So, you know, I was looking at what I was doing at the time and I had general ideas at certain times in my business career. I had vague ideas, but I was good at what I did. And that seemed to make up for the fact that I was also navigating chaos more often than not, especially in the early years. I was making all kinds of mistakes. So many things could have been improved, but I found that after putting my energy into doing the actual work, into building relationships, into networking, into all of these things, that I really didn't have a whole lot of energy left to revisit the chaos. Maybe a little bit here, a little bit there. And then I would run into someone who seemed to have something figured out better than I did, and I would borrow some ideas for them. And so rather than look at the business like you might look at a uh, graph of what's happening in January, February, and March, certain uh, things are higher, certain things are lower, I began to understand that I was experiencing this more like a timeline. And in this timeline, as we went from left to right, I was picking up certain things and certain skills that I didn't have earlier in the timeline. And so things were beginning to change gradually. They were beginning to change slowly. But sooner or later, I realized that I was at a point where I had to make a drastic change. And I want to mean by drastic, not that I had to change what I was doing for a living or change the product completely, but the structure overall wasn't going to serve me long term. And 
you know, as you get older, as you get busier, as you're raising children, then you begin to realize that you have a limited amount of energy. And even if you aren't raising children, even if you're single, then still the same thing applies. You have a limited amount of energy, a limited amount of focus. Then when we finally do get some energy, how many times do we or do we find ourselves more attracted to maybe a shortcut kind of solution? You know, shiny objects, special software. We put too much emphasis on a lot of these things, thinking that they're going to have more of an impact on our business and on the final outcome of what we're doing than they actually do. Here's just a quick analogy for you. Think about your kitchen. Imagine that you buy all the top ingredients that the best chefs around the world use in their kitchens. When you think about it, yes, you have all of those things or you have some potential, but isn't it the recipe and how well you follow that recipe that leads to the outcome, not just the ingredients? Of course, it's like that. But when you're in the online business world, sometimes different apps and software and stuff that we buy, all of these shiny object things, they're really just ingredients. You know, I once asked a well-known chef in my area, what was the one ingredient that would make an ordinary hamburger or transform an ordinary hamburger so that it would stand out in, let's say, a hamburger contest? I know, I know. I like hamburgers. Well, I like pizza and hot dogs too, but that's another problem. But, you know, I just thought, what, what would it be? For those of you who like a good hamburger, have you ever been out at a restaurant and just for some reason that particular burger that you were eating? Of course, I know the meat has something to do with it, but there's a special flavor on it that makes that burger stand out. Maybe the bun is a higher quality, but I just wanted to be able to do something like that at home. And so I asked a, a chef that I knew what was that one ingredient, something simple that I could do and just make what I was creating as best as it could possibly be. And they said they had an opinion, but they would get back to me in a day or two if I didn't mind. I said, sure, go ahead, take your time. They said they wanted to just confer with a few uh, fellow chef friends of theirs to see if they agreed on what would be that one ingredient. And believe it or not, they all did. Uh, the one ingredient that they all agreed on that would make a burger stand out above other burgers, you know, the meat and the bun aside, was pepper. They all agreed that the right kind of pepper could transform a plain hamburger into something special. Well, special if you're a hamburger fan. But we're not talking about food, so it's not a matter of finding a simple but great tasting recipe. We're talking about business and we're talking about marketing. You don't need a complicated business or marketing strategy to get a great result any more than you need a complicated recipe to create a great dinner. Now, let's talk a little bit about strategy. It's easy to be attracted to the kind of strategy in business and in marketing that's all wrong for you. A very simple example of this is the small company who's trying to pose as a large company online. A polar opposite example would be a big company thinking they can ad spend their way to success. If that were true, companies with deep pockets, for example, would never go out of business. No, strategy is making the best use out of everything you have. It involves all of it. And oftentimes, it works best, it seems, when the odds are against you, because that's when you truly think things through and give it everything that you have. Admit it, even if you're struggling, do you really give it everything that you have consistently? And it's not really that you're lazy. It's more often the fact that you don't know if you're really investing your time and energy in doing the right thing. 
And so if you're always second guessing what you're doing, you can't just jump into it with abandon and give it 100% of your focus and really do the deep kind of work that you're capable of doing. So instead, you touch on things, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And then if things don't work out, then it's this, this merry-go-round of trying different things, buying different things, and then you wind up with the same old, same old. But when the odds are really against you and you have to commit to a single path, in other words, you can't languish at a crossroads, you'll be as sharp-minded as you can be. Because when you perceive or you become aware that there are real threats, like financial threats, then it changes the game. Now, on a micro level, I think it starts when you might call you might call your personal inventory. It starts with that. I'm talking about your skills, your experience, and all of your assets. Have you really, what was the last time you sat down and really taken the inventory of where you are today, where your skills are right now, what, where your experience is now, as compared even to a few years ago? Have you ever looked at all of your assets and asked yourself the question, am I using all of this? in a way that is bringing me the maximum return on my effort? How do you get the most out of everything you have? Well, first, I think you have to consider the terrain you're living in, in 2023. Most people think about the terrain that they wanna be living in, in the future, or the terrain that they were just in in the past, and they're blind to what's happening right in front of them right now. See, like they say, some people say hindsight is 2020. I think I said that last week, and I agree that that's true for some of the people some of the time, but it's not true for all of the people all the time, because if it was, your hindsight being 2020, you wouldn't be making the same stupid mistake today as you did yesterday, right? And I'll put myself in there too, because I've done the same thing over and over and over again until it became just painfully obvious that nothing was going to change until I changed. Now, we are already in, in 2023, I know I'm recording this in the, in the waning days of 2022, but we've already entered into the attention economy. Here's a quick definition from an online dictionary that I found. The attention economy is the collective human capacity to engage with the many elements in our environments that demand mental focus. The term reflects an acknowledgement that the human capacity for attention is limited and that the content and events vying for that attention far exceed that capacity. So a way to sum it up would be like to say a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. We experience this flood of information all the time now. I mean, sometimes at night, towards the end of the night, I like to watch or listen to a video kind of before signing off. And usually it's nothing technical or very long or even business oriented because I like to power down. But still, even that, there's just so many options of what am I gonna listen to, what am I gonna watch? It can be overwhelming. Also, with the increased competition, when I'm trying to make a choice, I notice that the titles, the thumbnails, everything's becoming more clickbait type oriented where the content doesn't match the image or it's just something like that. So what happens on the other side of the coin? When you're the person who's in that market and you're fighting for people's attention in a marketplace that's just saturated with competition, well, what happens then? Well, let me just add this as a side note here. The first step, it should seem obvious, but it happens is to never lose sight of exactly what it is that you're selling. 
In other words, what type of financial transaction do you want to take place? And sometimes it's easy to lose sight of that when we're focusing so much on, well, how do I promote myself or how do I become visible to more people? And it's not just about getting people's attention. It's getting the attention of the people who can benefit from whatever it is that you have to offer. I know a lot of people, they build YouTube channels or podcasts or whatever, and they really don't even have a, a product to sell or something that excites them enough that they're glad to be able uh, to be there promoting it. So, But you do have to ask yourself some of those questions on the front end. I'm putting this material together. I'm promoting my personal brand. I'm talking about products and services that exist in a certain marketplace. What am I going to offer? Should I offer a low-cost upfront product or service? A lot of people do that. Um, if so, okay, well, how am I going to find the people that I need? Where do people who want that product and service go to get more information before they actually make that buying decision? Now, you may remember me talking about the thousand true fan business model that was originally popularized back in 2008 by Kevin Kelly. I know Kevin Kelly is a writer. I think he's kind of a futurist type of person too. I'm not really sure. The only I read his thousand fan business model article, not when he first wrote it, but years afterward. But the concept was being talked about quite a bit back in 2008. And it works like this. You don't need a million fans or millions of fans or followers. You don't even need tens of thousands of followers to be successful. If you have a thousand people who are spending a hundred dollars a year with you, you have a six-figure business. And when you think about that, it's funny because you may have so much noise in your mind circling around that six-figure business concept. How am I going to make a thousand or a hundred thousand dollars before taxes? But think about it. If you have a thousand people only spending a hundred dollars a year with you, now of course they're going to have to spend a hundred dollars a year every year. Only a thousand people. You can see that the math does work. Now, if the same people spend two hundred dollars a year with you, you have a two K business. So you're kind of looking at that, and then you're able to possibly work backwards from it and figure out how would you get there with your own products and services. So, but when you see the simplicity of it, you see that you don't need anything overly complex. Like a lot of people might say, okay, well, I got my front end product, I got my mid range product, I got my high end product. And so, how does that three type of product situation, three price points, fit into this simple thousand people spending $100 a year with you? Well, it's just that there's different buyer types. That's all. So, we could take that $100 if that's the high end of what you do per year, what they spend. Maybe other people spend 50 bucks a year with you. Maybe other people spend 25. In other words, there's more ways to get there than just, I need everybody to spend $100. I need 1,000 people to spend $100. But just the simplification of it kind of helps you quiet the noise for long enough to be able to sit down and ask yourself some questions. What do I need to create to get there? Because once you know that, once you have that down, it's like putting a clock together. It's like knowing how to synchronize the gears in such a way that every 60 minutes that, you know, the, the big hand goes all the way around and you're in a new hour. And it's like that franchise concept. How is it 
that certain companies, no matter who they hire, are able to get the same product to taste the same way, whether you're buying in Idaho or New York or London or Sydney, no matter where it is, or in, um, India, Bangladesh, wherever you, wherever you want to talk about it, that product is consistent. The simple planning starts with the foundation. So uh, now that you can play with the numbers, you could drop it to 500 people. 500 people spending $200 a year with you, you still have your six-figure business. Now, creating a strategy to get to that thousand fans, okay, now that has to have, that's also a strategy, right? You have your financial side, but you also have the marketing side. Well, how, where are these thousand people going to come from? Well, <laughs> thankfully, we have a very big pool to choose from. We're able to reach people in every single country that speak the same language we do. We speak multiple language, languages, which it's incredible people that do that. I've never been in a situation where I've been able to do that, but depending on where you live, some of you speak several languages. But creating a strategy to get to a thousand fans or a thousand buyers or subscribers or whatever is doable, uh, you have a worldwide pool to work with. Now that is much different because most of us are limited to our physical locations. And you know, the internet, the online world has changed all of that. We're not limited. Now that doesn't mean you should ignore your location. That's another story for another time. But uh, all of that's fine. But when we place that objective, for example, into the context of the attention economy, we immediately begin to see all kinds of obstacles. So your mind, as brilliant of an asset that it can be, it can also work against you. It can work against you subconsciously, where I know people that think about these kind of things all day long. They never take any action. They're exhausted when they try to take action because they haven't learned to recognize that their own thoughts are working against them. And I'm not like a mind science type of guy at all. I'm more of a pre practical pragmatist looking at this. When we think negative things, we feel bad. When we feel bad, we think more negative things. It's kind of like the snowball going down the hill, getting bigger and bigger. Sometimes we don't just stop on a dime, but we gradually begin to build habits that enable us to think better thoughts, you know. But, you know, it's so easy to allow yourself to get hypnotized into an action the way so many people do. Just the other day, I saw two well-known individuals in their niche give opposite advice about growing a YouTube channel. And so, you know, which one was right? The guy that had 150K subscribers or the guy that had 180K? I mean, both, just based on logic alone, they both seem to make good points. And, you know, in the past, if I was trying to build a YouTube channel, I would have looked at those two guys and I would have been lost in thought for weeks just about which one was right. But now, having come through so much of this garbage myself, the reality is that it's easily recognized to me now, and I hope it is to you too, or becoming easier for you to recognize, there's more than one way to succeed on any platform that you choose to focus on. There's not just one good way or one perfect way to run a group on LinkedIn or on Facebook. There's many different ways that people are doing it. All right, let's get back to the nuts and bolts of building a strategy for 2023. Number one, decide where it is that you offer the most value. Think about it. Where do you really offer the most value with where things are today? Maybe you can write one or two general things down. Next, 
What things have people been willing to pay you for up until now? So there's certain things that you're good at. There's certain things that people value about you. People have been paying you for doing certain things in the past all the way up to now. But now zoom into where we are today, 2023, let's just call it that, and decide how can we change, adjust, or restructure whatever it is that we do, whatever it is that we bring to the table to make it even more valuable for what people are struggling with now, what people are struggling with today. Maybe some of you already have a course, a book, or a program of some kind, or maybe you've just started to teach what you know online. Maybe you're getting paid, maybe you're not. Point is this, how can you make the new version, the new and improved version of what you're already doing? What would you change? Maybe it's something minor. Maybe it's just the packaging. It doesn't have to be something major. Maybe you're already selling a service, but you can present it in a more appealing way. Maybe you can describe things better, use better images. So go ahead and do that. Take care of that. You're either building the first version or you're building the next version at any given point. And that's the way I look at where I've come from and where I'm going in this industry. That's the way I look at change. And now, of course, the strategy, the thing that pulls all of the pieces together, it has to be something that I can stick with. It has to be simple for me. Now, what's simple for you may not be simple for me. And if the thing that I really need to do isn't getting done the way I need it to done, then I need to find some alternatives to doing it, to getting the job done. So the next version that you're going to do is going to be where you add, rep replace, or improve. And I like to bring up the idea of the thousand true fans because, again, it does demonstrate the simplicity of how an average person not a superstar, not a movie star, not a former athlete, not somebody who's been in business for, you know, 40 years, but how the average person can get started and build a successful online business. Remember, all you need to do is to attract a thousand people and you have a worldwide pool to draw from. Now you need to meet two criteria. First, you have to be able to create enough each year that And this is what Kevin Kelly freely admitted. You have to be able to create enough each year with this kind of business model. And there's something of this model in every model because most of us have to continue to create based on what it is that we do in order to keep things moving forward. Yeah, sometimes you can create and take off some time. I'm not saying that you can't take off a year and that you have to continue to be like on a treadmill of some kind. I'm not really, I'm not saying that. Uh, I was going to say I'm not really saying that. I'm kind of hinting at it, but no, I'm not saying that. But you do have to create enough each year that you can earn, on average, $100 profit from every quote-unquote true fan. And this is easier to do in, with some arts and some businesses than others. But it's also a, a good challenge for you as an entrepreneur because the world does change. And the businesses that fail are the businesses that don't change with the times. And not all of those changes, like I say, have to be drastic. So it's always going to be easier for you to serve your existing clients. It takes less effort to serve those who already enjoy what it is that you produce than to go out into the cold, into the wilderness, so to speak, and find new fans. Think about this. You could hold a live workshop on Zoom. Somebody was just talking about this the other day. Just like people used to do in their local towns and cities, they used to hold workshops. And back then, you'd have to set up your PowerPoint, 
and you'd have keynote or keynote slides, maybe a laptop, you'd need some meeting space. We used to use hotel conference rooms back in the day and you'd need a screen and tables and chairs and stuff to drink, oftentimes at, least, at the very least coffee and water. And you can change, did my New Jersey accent just leak out there? Water, 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 the T sounds like a D. Anyway, you could charge for a workshop, but today, the whole thing can be simplified. You can do the whole thing on a Zoom call. But think about it. Without having any tech in place, you could tell people on your, your Facebook friends, associates there, people on Instagram that you interact with, people on Twitter, people wherever you are, just follow this. This is very simple. This takes like all of the confusion out of it and really simplifies it. But you could tell this group of people to send you X number of dollars. It could be something very low, $5, $7, $10, $20 if you want, to your, let's say, a PayPal Me account you have where people just send you money on PayPal. Right? You can set this up with other systems, but PayPal Me is a way you can send individuals money. And it's an example. It's just free, easy to set up. You can be set up within the next 15 minutes, I think. And then you could just manually send them the link once they pay you because you know who pays you because PayPal will tell you, well, here's their email address. And then you just send them the link to your Zoom call. And if they miss the live event, they can watch the recording. I mean, how simple is that? The point is this. The starting point of your strategy is understanding where you offer the most value, then how you're going to package it, your initial packaging of it, or the next version of it. And, you know, most of us started out in the online world who have businesses today, packaging our skills and selling whatever we do as a service to others. It was a one-to-one -one type of thing. And then from there, we discovered it's much easier to grow by working with groups of people, one-to-many, instead of one-to-one. -one. Now, each does have its place. All right, let's talk a little bit about marketing because this is where the rubber really meets the road. We used to be able to ask one simple question like, where do the people who need what you have hang out online? And then we could answer that question, and that's where you start. That's where you put your content. That's where you post your links to your videos or, or wherever, or upload your videos to. And, you know, it was an easy question to answer. Today, if someone asks that question, then you hesitate and you usually say, well, they're everywhere. They're scattered all over. Most social platforms used to be like one big community. So you could be active on, let's say, Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, and you'd just attract a following just by the fact that you were there regularly posting content, answering questions, showing that you add value to the group of people. And friendships were made, and we met people that we otherwise never would have met just by showing up regularly and sharing and interacting with others. Today, big picture is we have more subgroups than we can count. It's not just like one big community. Now the the platforms are like these huge, um, I don't know, you just say that it's it's what houses all of these different subgroups. And some subgroups have a few thousand, some have more, but you know, it's a different type of experience. So which do you pick? I would say this, go with your strengths. When it comes to strategy, especially when you're not established yet, go with your existing strengths and choose whatever platform you'll most likely to be able to be consistent with. Choose the tools that kind of reflect your strengths. And in other words, don't try and 
start from ground zero each and every time. Go with whatever is working for you because the idea here is that financial transactions, which is what business is all about at the end of the day. It's not about numbers of people, although numbers of people can also translate into money. A lot of people have a lot of followers, but almost none of them spend any type of significant money. You can talk to people who have big groups, LinkedIn, or, or have tens of thousands of followers on Twitter, and these people are struggling just to pay their month-to-month bills. So it's not just in the numbers, right? It's important to remember that. So you start by going with your strengths, and when you have all of these platforms to choose from, you go with one that you feel will be the best fit for your existing strengths. So remember, you're going to choose a strategy that plays to your strengths, and then you're going to choose a platform that likewise, to the best of your knowledge, is going to play to your strengths. If you find it easier to communicate with video, then obviously you can grow your brand on a YouTube, or if you find that video plays to your strengths, but most of your prospects... Most of the people that you can help are really spending their time on LinkedIn. You can still use video. You'll just be focusing on using video primarily on LinkedIn. Now, the most important thing is that you pick one thing to focus on in 2023. In other words, we're looking at a linear progression. You're going to pick a tool. You're going to pick a platform, something that's easier for you to focus on, and you're going to invest in one kind of marketing strategy that you're capable of sticking with. What's the best marketing strategy in 2023? Of all the strategies that you have to pick from, again, you go with your strength and you also pick the one that's going to be the easiest one for you to stick with, not just for a month or two months, but for minimum nine months. When you make that commitment, you're not just choosing what you're going to focus on, By extension, you're also choosing what you're going to refuse to entertain. What now goes into the category of distraction? So if you're focusing on, let's say, creating audios or creating videos, and then someone tells you about this brand new email marketing platform that does all of these wondrous things, you're going to take a hard pass on it. Most of you right now would stop what you're doing, take a look at it because it's a time-limited offer, then you start thinking about something other than what you should be focusing on, and you're easily going to burn a week of your time, or you're going to buy something, you're going to spend money that could be spent doing other things, better things, and you're going to invest in something that once you have it and the rush is over, you're going to put it to the side, you've lost time, by the time does roll around for you to focus heavily on maybe the kind of email marketing that that system makes available to you, there's going to be better options on the market. In some ways, that fear of missing out, you should be able to see through that illusion. The The fact that you're going to miss out on something is only going to be a re- reality, maybe what, one out of 10 times, two out of 10 times at the most. And if you're making money, does it really bother you that you have to pay a monthly fee? Even if you pay $100 a month for a subscription to something, is that really going to bother you if you're making $10,000 a month? You know, probably not, or even $5,000 a month. But instead, instead of putting your focus on where it's going to give you the greatest return, again, all of these shortcuts that come in front of us each and every day, trying to draw our attention away from the things that really matter. And, you know, the only people that benefit consistently from these are the people that are affiliates to all of these programs. They're the ones who benefit more than anyone else. I'm not talk, trying to say talk bad about them, but isn't it time you focused on what's going to benefit you? I'm just putting that out there. 
So you pick one thing, you're going to focus on it, you're going to invest in it to the expense of everything else. Let me ask you one thing here, and just getting ready to wrap this up. Consider whether or not the statement I'm about to make is true or not in your case. Okay, Attracting an audience of people who love your work will usually only happen when you pour yourself into the work and give that work 100%. And that takes focus, and focus doesn't happen if you're all over the map. Is that statement true or false for you? Okay, so now you can see the importance of staying with your strengths. And and let me share one more thing before I wrap up today. There was a time where I felt so undisciplined that I didn't want to commit to any kind of schedule at all. And that includes recording this podcast. I started this podcast in 2017, July, but I deliberated for a good 12 to 24 months before diving in. Why? Because I didn't really, deep down inside, want to make a commitment I couldn't back out of. I'm just being honest and upfront with you. The idea of having to record a weekly podcast had about as much appeal to me as punching a clock for minimum wage. I mean, I got to be here every week. What happens if not enough people listen? And I have all of these different questions. Not that I was seriously thinking about those things. I'm just giving you an idea of what was going on on the back burner of my mind. Because meanwhile, I was building another business, very hands-on, working directly with quite a few clients. And I felt that way about a lot of other types of marketing that I could have invested in. So if you feel that way, believe me, I understand. But here's the secret. When I did pull the trigger finally, I built this podcast around my strengths. If I hadn't, it would have been an uphill battle all the way. I already felt comfortable talking about this topic. And so I focused on the things I already knew a lot about, the things I didn't have to put extra hour, extra time in figuring out what am I going to talk about next week or the week after that. I talked about something that I had been invested in just about all of my adult life. And there's several subjects that fit that criteria in my own life, and there's subjects that fit that criteria in your life, okay? All right, I'm just going to put that out there, and I'm going to say that today... The investment that I made in putting these episodes out there has come back and it continues to give a return on the investment. The same thing is going to happen to you, but you've got to stay with it. I started in 2017. I didn't see any fireworks for a good year. And then when growth did come, it came gradually. And then sometimes it plateaued. Sometimes it dropped and then came back up again. But if you could look along the timeline, you would see consistent growth. And the same thing is going to happen to you. I really believe that. All right, that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead, share the episode link with them. Cut and paste it. Send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast or wherever you listen to this episode. You can find all the back episodes available at my website, jimgalliano.com slash podcast. And I just want to thank you for taking the time to share it. It really does help me reach people that I would otherwise probably never reach. So thank you again for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you later.
Thank you.